And welcome to the latest Miami Sports Pod. Will Manso with Clay Ferrero. And Clay, it is almost draft time. I know it's your favorite time of the year. The NFL draft, a little over two weeks away. And for the Miami Dolphins, after all the wheeling and dealing, they've still got those two picks in the first round. Uh, they're at number six to begin with. So this is the beginning of our countdown to the draft previews. And kind of isolate now, here we are, what you think the Dolphins are targeting starting at that number six pick? You know, it, it's so hard because we know that Chris Greer loves to play the draft and misinformation game. And, and I always go back to when we were sitting in the draft room after they drafted Charles Harris. And he came out and uh, we talked to Charles Harris on the phone. He said, yeah, I didn't even think the Dolphins were interested in me. And Greer said, yeah, well, there's a reason for that. We intentionally canceled our interview with him because we didn't want anybody to know that we wanted him Oh, at yeah. our pick. So, you know, the Dolphins go out of their way as much as, if not more than any team, to, to kind of hide their intentions. Yeah, so, uh, I, I'm with you. But the problem is, you know, the way this offseason is shaken out with, with movement as far as their trades and their free agency, you got to think it's a weapon, no? I mean, is right. it? Oh, no, no I, I think it has to be. Yeah, especially yeah. – I guess maybe if they trade back, then you could, uh, I guess, entertain the idea of alignment. But, um, yeah, I, let's assume they stay there at six. Then it really seems to me a no-brainer that, that it's going to be one of either Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase. And, you know, I I don't know. I, I'd, I'd probably personally lean more towards Jamar Chase and, and because I feel like, you know – I'm not saying that Mike Gesicki is anywhere near what I think Kyle Pitts is going to be in the NFL. I, I really do think Kyle Pitts is going to be the closest thing that we've seen to Travis Kelsey um, outside of Travis Kelsey. And yet, I think when you're talking skill set, Gesicki brings a bit of that, of, of what Pitts would bring. Not to the same level, but a bit of it. So to me, I, I would say my 1A would be Jamar Chase because he's that complete receiver. Um, but with that said, Kyle Pitts would be a heck of a consolation prize if that's who you end up with there. You know how draft season is always the season to, you know, make you think one thing, say the other, and, you know, just right. confuse and sabotage to a degree players or certain picks and guys you may want to get. And it's funny because we opened up, the offseason talking about, and we saw him here in South Florida, Devontae Smith, get him. Don't screw around. He's your guy. Yeah. Number six, how much of the disinformation about his weight and whether he's too slender and is he Marvin Harrison or is he Peter Warwick or is he Chad Johnson or is he, you know, some guy will never make it? You know, what when you hear about that, I feel like he's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle when it comes to the Dolphins where the offseason began. We're like, Print his jerseys. Devontae's coming to come back with Tua. And now it's like we don't talk about him. Should we be talking about him? Well, here's the hard thing, because you're asking somebody who is, has been – I don't want to say anti-Devontae Smith. I've been anti-taking Devontae Smith at six, um, and I have been from the beginning. It's not that I don't, I don't like the player. I do. I just have a lot of misgivings about taking a, a receiver who I think you, you have some limitations – with how you can use him in your offense. And, and I say that because I don't, I don't think you want somebody that's his size going over the middle. Whereas I think with somebody like Jamar Chase, the entire route tree is open, you know? And, and so that's, that's just me. Now, with that said, you know, if you're sitting there at six and let's say that, hey, 
at four, Atlanta passes on a quarterback and they decide to go with the pits. Or maybe they – I don't think they're going to take a Jamar Chase but because um, you know, they've already got the receivers there. But if, if for some reason two non-quarterbacks go, you know, quarterbacks we expect to go one, two, and three. If for some reason at four and five, pits and chase are gone and you're sitting there at six and neither player is there, I'd have no problem trading back from six and potentially picking up Devontae Smith at, at some point there. And, and, well, something was posted today, and I think it was one of those My Sports updates on, on Twitter. And I had never seen this before, but it, it really struck me. You go back through the last decade of eight to ten years of receivers who were taken in the top 15 in the NFL draft, and it's jarring how many of them have, have not come anywhere close to living up to, to the billing of a top 15 pick. The only three that I could pick out that I said, okay, yeah, that guy has lived up to the, to the hype. It was um, Amari Cooper was one of them. i got to go back and find the whole list. Um, but, but the bottom line is that of all, of all positions, it's really hard. Wide receiver, it's really hard to find. You know, I, I'm looking at the list now, okay. Uh, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham Jr., and Amari Cooper would be the three. This is since 2012. Listen to these names. Justin Blackman, Michael Floyd, Tavon Austin, Sammy Watkins, Kevin White, Devontae Parker, Corey Coleman, Corey Davis, Mike Williams, John Ross, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy. Those are the – and I'm taking out Ruggs and Judy because it's too early. Those are the receivers who have gone top 15 in the last nine years. I, I mean, that's it's, – it's hard, and, and yet – so to me, it's okay. If you're going to take a receiver that high, it better be somebody who can do a bit of everything. And and to me, that's why Jamar Chase would be the, the number one guy for me. I mean, when you hear a comparison to Marvin Harrison, it, it, it makes your toes tingle. You know, it, it, yeah. it, it, that's the guy you want. But you're right, at six. And look, I think we've reached the point where the Dolphins were smart that they made the deal. We talked about a couple of weeks ago after they made the deal to get in six knowing that they're probably going to have the pick of the receiver that they want. The chances of, you know, Jamar Chase going before six, what would you say? I would say it's, there's not, I would say he's going to be there at six. No, or do you think that five (sighs) may just say, Hey, we need a guy with Joe Burrow and, and, you know, the LSU connection and all that stuff. I would say there's a good shot. He's going to be there at six. If he's the guy you want. I certainly certainly think Devontae Smith is going to be there at six. I don't see a scenario where Smith goes in the top five. Yeah, you know, if if it were any other team picking at five, I would agree with you. But who's picking at five? The Cincinnati Bengals. And and how – I mean, how enticing would that be for them? And and they need line help, right? And, and like, you know, if they're sitting there and – uh, I don't know where they have the line graded, but, you know, Panay Sewell, I, I think, would be the one. Although it seems like he's, he's falling, although who knows what that means. Um, you know, I guess he would be the tackle at that point, maybe Rashawn Slater. So, like, line help would be standing out to you for the Bengals as, as the no-brainer. And yet, if Jamar Chase is sitting there and, and you've got Joe Burrow and you can connect those two again, I, I don't know. So, yes, I would think Jamar Chase would be there at six unless Cincinnati decided it was just too much to pass up to reunite him with Joe Burrow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that. I could see, you know, and again, you've said it with the Bengals and, I, and, you know, we joke with the Bengals, but pretty much with any team, especially the early picking teams that tend to be the, the, the worst teams in the league. And a lot of times the worst run teams in the league, you get some shockers. And, and it's funny. Right. 
you and I are similar like anybody listening now. If you're a Dolphin fan, if you're a football fan in general, you have probably spent much of your last two months doing mock drafts left and right, whether it be on those little apps and websites where you can do mock drafts or just on your own, just kind of penciling it. Okay, who goes here? Who goes there? This guy here, this guy there. We've all done mock drafts, and we know that come draft night in you know, less than three weeks, it's going to be nothing like we picked. You know, there's going to be, yeah, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is going one. After that, you would think Zach Wilson, okay, all the talk about him. But it could be Lance. It could be Justin Fields. One of those guys could drop out of the top ten. You know, Mac Jones could work his way into the top seven. Uh, uh, Kyle Pitts could go five. Maybe since he says, hey, we need a big tight end, that's a great weapon for Burrow. And all of a sudden, the receivers start slipping. Something bizarre will happen because it always does. You mentioned Penny Sewell. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, there are teams in the early teens that would do anything for a guy like Sewell to drop because they need – a tackle that you could just put plug and play uh, that could drop. So I think those are a guy like, Rash- you know, Slater, Rashawn Slater, you hear a guy like that going in the teens, I could see him sneaking into the top eight, you know, team falling yeah. over there with his versatility at guard and tackle. So when you look at these things, nothing will go to plan, but I still sit there and say to myself, if the Dolphins really feel they need a lineman, fine. But given what they drafted last year, I don't think at six they will take a lineman. If the Dolphins feel that one of the defensive players, Parsons, I guess would be the only one, again, I don't see that happening at six. I really think they've set themselves up. I will be shocked if they don't take one of the three receivers or Pitts, or shall we say one of the four receivers, because Pitts in himself is basically a receiver. I would be shocked if they don't take one of those four guys at six. Yeah, yeah, and, and again, we're we're assuming they're going to stay at six with that. And so let's let's say, you know, if they were to trade back, I think to me, if you're sitting there at six and the the one guy you want is not there, um, you know, and and you're sitting there and you've got other guys graded graded equally, you could justify trading back, picking up another pick, and kind of doing what they've already done. But I do think as we as we sit here and we record this two and a half weeks ahead of the draft. If they had just wanted to do that, if they didn't have an elite player in mind, they wouldn't have made the second trade to get back up to six. They would have just stayed there at 12, been completely happy there with, with San Francisco's original pick, um, and held on to the extra first-round pick that they had already had already gained. My, my sense is, Will, they wouldn't have gotten back up there to six if they didn't have their eye on on one of these premium players that that is likely going to be there. And I do think it again, you know, we're sitting here and and you try to figure out what everybody wants. It it feels like there's enough noise on Mac Jones potentially going to three. Um, and, and so if he goes to three to San Francisco, then maybe that changes things that somebody jumps up to four and ends up trying to get a, a Justin Fields, or maybe you know, Atlanta just says, hey, forget it. We're gonna start over now and move on from Matt Ryan. So I, I just feel like the fact the Dolphins staggered those moves and, and for a team that has, has really done a good job of accumulating draft capital, flipping a first-round pick that they had just gotten in order to move back up to six, there's, there's a reason why they did that. And, and I, I just think it's because they, they've got their eyes on a not a blue-chip player, a gold-chip player, and they're very confident yeah. that that player or at least one of two or three players is going to be there. Now, before the draft, we will do a mock draft. We will do a podcast special where we do a mock draft. Uh, we will go through the first round. We will, we will say who we, who, you know, how it stands. But as it stands now, less than three weeks before, 
why don't we, why don't we do this every week and just kind of say, okay, did you change your mind? Or are you going to stick with this all the way until that draft, that mock draft we do the week before? Who are the Dolphins okay. at six if they stay at six? Jamar Chase. Okay. I'm going to be a contrarian just to be different because we agree on so much. You and I have kind of – we think in many ways the same when it comes to things as we go through the same logic. But I'm going to say – I'm going to say Devontae Smith. I'm going to say that it's going to be one of those rare times where everything that was talked about during the offseason ends up being the case. And sometimes it does happen. You know there are times. Look, Tua, all the things yeah. we thought was – it seemed like it was two years long and somehow the Dolphins ended up with Tua. Something about Devontae Smith and a Dolphins uniform feels right. So as of now, two and a half weeks, a little over two and a half weeks till the draft, I'm going to say Devontae Smith. We'll talk again next week. We'll figure it out. Okay, so now we go to the, to the next pick. When you get into that next range, you know, when you talk talking about you get out of the top 10, but you still have, you still have obviously a premium pick. Now what do you turn your attention to? Everybody says best player available. It's the biggest cliche. But as much as people say that, Clay, you know in those war rooms and you know ahead of time these scouts and these front offices, they have players targeted. Yes, if sure. it slips and they have position, they don't have a necessarily position need, sure, they're going to get a guy. But for instance, if Justin Fields slips to the Dolphins' second pick, they're not taking Justin Fields. You know, I, right. That's just the way it works. I would guess that they will, even if one of the corners fell, if a Sertan fell, you know, if a Caleb Farley, who's got some injury concerns, I don't see them doing that after taking in McNogamy last year and having two high-priced corners. So when you look at the target, what do you think of? What, where do you think they're looking? Well, I, you know, you could potentially look at the line. Um, you know, somebody like Christian Darrisaw, although, I mean, again, you don't, you don't know when you hear guys are falling what, what that actually means. But, you know, this is one of those drafts where you actually have some decent – late first round, mid to late first round type tackles, early second round type tackles. And, you know, you can look at the Dolphins line and say, hey, if you're trying to make sure that Tua is your guy, then make sure he's your guy by protecting him and, and giving him weapons. With that said, though, I, I mean, linebacker, somebody like uh, David Collins from Tulsa, somebody who's really good. But, man, I, I'm just sitting there and I'm looking at it. And, and you know Brian Flores, since the minute he walked in the building, He's been talking about running the football. And, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily do this, but, man, Najee Harris right now just seems to be gaining so much steam for a number of reasons. And, you know, the fact that he drove all the way from – where is he from? Uh, I think Dallas. Uh, he drove to, to, to the pro day for Alabama to support his team. There was just the fact that he, he's somebody who loves football – loves to be there and support. He's everything that the Dolphins are looking for in not just a player, but also a person. But, so, quick, but, but the premium of running backs, all this talk, right, about all oh, running backs, the 18th pick in the draft, is there value there you think the best value taking a running back? Do you buy into that theory? Or do you think by 18, it's not like the Giants a few years ago taking Saquon Barkley at two, you know, it's that, which is such a premium pick. You're okay with a running back at 18. Yeah, I'm okay at 18. I, I wouldn't take one at six unless it's a general. Although, you know, here's the thing, though, Will. I mean, we sit here and we say this. I, I mean, the Saints aren't the Saints without Alvin Kamara. The, the Panthers, man, how, Christian McCaffrey, the, the difference in the Panthers when he plays and when he doesn't. So, you know, I, I do think that there is something to be said for 
having a player who is just that good, right, and, and even taking him that high. So I'm saying that in Camaro was third round pick. But if you're sitting well, the there and, and top yes, but I, but you're, I see yeah, yeah, the impact. So so, so it, I guess what I'm saying is especially at 18, yeah. I mean, if you have somebody that you think can change your team, can change your offense, and you're that convicted about the player. I have no problem with it. And, uh, you know, so, so again, if you're looking at it's somebody like Najee Harris, I'm a big fan of, of Javante Williams. Um, Travis Etienne is another. But I don't feel like Etienne is the type of back that Brian Flores wants in this. Brian Flores wants somebody that he's going to make linebackers hurt. And, you know, I, Brian Flores is a linebacker at heart, man. I mean, he played linebacker at BC. And I think he, he wants somebody that if he were lining up across from that guy, he wouldn't want to see him in the fourth quarter. So I, I just think that somebody like Najee Harris or even Javante Williams would really fit that bill. And I, I'd probably lean more towards Harris just based on, um, you know, I, I think the, the feel that we've gotten around what the, what, how much the Dolphins seem to like him. Well, I thought you said a name earlier, Zayden Collins, which was fascinating to me. You know, I think he's an interesting guy. Look, the Dolphins could use some pass rush help. Zayden Collins is a unique guy that's very versatile. I think of Michael Parsons, we talked about, you know, a few weeks ago on the pod. I don't see him dropping to 18, but boy, if he does, he's got to be a guy that, that Brian yeah. love. I don't see him dropping, though. There's, there are character issues that have been discussed about him and the whole scandal and the, the issues that happened in the locker room at Penn State that he was a part of. How much will that play a factor? You know, I, I haven't read anything else other than that about him. You know, you would think NFL teams are going to look through, you know, and, and talking to him and meeting with him. And I think feel pretty comfortable in the person and player. But again, every, every staff, every front office is different. Does he slip that far? I don't know. But, you know, you look at the UM kids. Does a Jalen Phillips attract you there? You know, is that a guy you look at? You know, does, does Rousseau, who's maybe the most is, – is there a guy that's, that, that has been polarized more than Greg Rousseau on what kind of player he is. I've seen talk of him being an athletic freak who's a top 10 pick to this guy's a third rounder. He's slow, he's sluggish, and he doesn't have a position. You know, uh, I don't know if he is someone that the Dolphins would consider there. I'm with you. They need a running back. My only thing is I think you can get a good one in the second round. And if there are truly players of impactful positions, I mean true impactful, like offensive line and like a pass rusher. When you look at the league now, what are, I mean, you could argue that pass rusher and lineman are the two most important positions, right? Offensive lineman, because you got to get to the quarterback and you got to protect the quarterback. So if they can get a player like that and wait a, a running back, I think that's the direction to go with that, that number 18 pick. But again, if you feel that strongly about your running back and, and whether it is, you know, whether it ends up being uh, Najee Harris, then, then, you, then you go with it. I just think there's enough depth at running back that they are that 18 is too premium of a pick where you could still get a guy who drops who's impactful at those at those impactful positions available that maybe helps you more than a running back. I always feel like an early running back is a team that's like a, a Super Bowl contender, right? That just they can they can kind of as a luxury take a good running back. I'm not sure if the Dolphins are there. I don't think they're a running back away. Um, but you know, I, I guess that's that's the way my I'm leaning Clay a couple of weeks before. So who would you take? Who would you take at that spot? I mean, you know, I think we know the names of, of the guys who would be roughly in that range. So yeah. who, who would you lean towards? I would honestly take – I would like a Zayvon Collins. I would take the most impactful – I like Jalen Phillips. There are concerns, though, given his past. He left football because of concussion issues. You know, there, you got to feel comfortable with his health. 
I'm not sure if Rousseau's a good fit for the Dolphins. I think Greg at the pro level might end up being more of a, a, a hybrid where he's plays inside a lot, you know, because he's such a big dude. And I think he can bulk up a little and play inside. Uh, but I would probably lean toward the best available pass rusher or best available offensive lineman if you know, who's the kid from Virginia Tech? I know you, you would know his name. I don't know why it's slipping. Right the, the lineman Christian Darasaw. Yeah. yeah. Guys like that that slip into the 18 range, someone will slip. I mentioned Slater earlier. He's a guy who could fall in the top 10, but sometimes those guys get lost in the shuffle and end up falling, you know, because people are chasing positions, you know, wide receiver runs, and you get three or four guys, and Pitts goes, and you get, you, you get four or five quarterbacks going. And before you know it, at 18, you're left with a, a blue-chip prospect who should have been a top 10, 12 pick who's still sitting there. So what about, I, what about Jalen Phillips? Well, that was, I was just mentioned earlier about the injury history that right. I, I think Jalen would be a great fit. I think he would be a great fit on any team with his, I, he may be the best pass rusher in the draft just on pure potential acceleration ability to get to the quarterback. And he's still got room to grow. He's still kind of raw in some areas, but I don't know. It really, you have to feel with his health. You have to feel comfortable. And obviously, I can't get in the head of Brian Flores at the Dolphins staff. But fit-wise, hell yeah. If you're comfortable with his health, I would consider Jalen Phillips at 18. I would. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I guess I would – I'm going to stick with what I said. I'm going to stick with Najee Harris. And I, I agree with you. In, in most scenarios, I agree with you. I, I think the thing with the Dolphins, it's a rare case where you've got a team that won 10 games and has two first-round picks – and has very clear, very clear needs, things that they could potentially take them to the next level. Now, I will say this. We're not in the, the offensive – we're not in the meeting rooms. We're not – we haven't seen how the Dolphins evaluated the players that they have. There were, there were times this year where, man, you looked at those young offensive linemen, you know, guys like, uh, hey, was there any more fun player to watch than, than Robert Hunt? I mean, the way he would he would go after. I mean, you've got you've got some play, Austin Jackson. So you've got some young offensive linemen that you know. If you felt like in your evaluation process after the season that they showed enough to you that they're going to keep improving and and they're going to take a jump in year two, then maybe you don't feel like offensive line is a need. But I do agree that if. You, you have to figure out a way. This is the number one most important thing. You have to spend 2021 not only trying to win games, but you have to find out if Tua Tagovailoa is a franchise quarterback and if he is your franchise quarterback. So to me, and, and you know, typically I'm, I'm certainly very much on the side of get the most impactful player at the most impactful position, if at all possible. If you're the Dolphins, make sure that at the end of this draft, at the end of this offseason, when you go to OTAs, when you go to minicamp, you can look at your roster, and especially on offense, and know that by the end of 2021, barring injury, that you can be 100% confident in your evaluation of your quarterback. Make sure that by the end of – so to me, that means if you're at 18 and you feel good about your offensive line and you love Najee Harris, you take Najee Harris. If, if you feel like your, your line is a bigger need – and you need to protect Tua in order to evaluate him better, then make sure that you get the lineman at 18 that you feel like – and and that's assuming that you end up getting a weapon at six. So to me yeah, – and, and so I'll, I'll say Harris, but that's just based on what, what I think. 
their their needs are and 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 the fact that they've already got some young offensive linemen I think that I think they probably feel good about moving forward yeah and let's just you said it I think best right there when you said it depends on six the dominoes start falling at six so it's hard to really guess what 18 is if they go defense at 18 they're in love with the defensive player or if they go lineman if they feel Panay Sewell is worth it and he's there they feel look this is a guy that we think we can plug in and I know we got Robert Hunt last year uh, and I know that we got Austin Jackson last year, but we feel this guy's just special. Then, then all of a sudden, 18, you look at some, well, they better get some weapons. You know what I mean? So it could just be a running back or maybe one of those receivers, maybe a Jalen Waddle slips. I doubt it. You know, and there's also been talk about Bateman, the kid from Minnesota, who's got a lot yeah. of some guys, some people have called them the second or third best receiver in this draft. You know, so, and, and I go back to my original thought when we started is there's always a surprise. The chances that the Dolphins draft, even those first two picks, forget about the rest of the draft, that the first two picks sound anything like what we just say over the last <laughs> hour are probably slim to none. Because there's yeah. always some shocker where they're like, oh, well, I didn't expect Devontae Smith would go there. The Dolphins went this far. Or, wow, the Dolphins were really, they were really high on this guy. You know, maybe Jalen Waddle's there at 18 and they take Bateman, you know, because they felt that he's better, you know. Yep. And every scouting department, every, every front office is different. But I think as it stands now, uh, I think one of the first two picks has to be a weapon. And given the, what they've put into Tua Tagovailoa, it may be then a person to protect Tua, to make sure that you're comfortable with. But they certainly need a pass rusher and, and, and somebody who wreaks havoc, and wreaks havoc uh, on, on defense. So whether it be Zayn Collins or whether it be Jalen Phillips or whether a guy like Parsons slips, those are all things that, that are also we, we need to monitor come draft day. Yep. Yep. And, and so, again, I, I think you're on the same page as I am. And, and I, at the end of this offseason, make sure that you've surrounded Tua Tungabailoa with enough talent yeah. to, to figure out by the end of the year if he's your guy. And you know what? Because I, I don't want to go through what, what we went through. You know, I, I got here in 2014. And every year it was – is this the year that, that Ryan Tannehill turns into a franchise player? Or is this the year that Ryan Tannehill? So I, I just, I, if you're a Dolphins fan and, and you're listening to this, man, I, I know you're getting bad flashbacks now. You've got to find out by the end of this. And maybe you're on the side that you know too is the guy and you're very confident and you just need to, to surround him and, and build a good team. And that's fine. To me, until I see it, I'm not going to be 100% sure. And so if I were a Dolphins fan and I were sitting here looking at this draft, I want to make sure that after the end of the draft, I look at who Tua is going to be throwing to, I look at who's going to be protecting him, and I look at who he's going to be handing the ball off to, and I'll feel like by the end of the year we can have a good idea where he stands on the list of, of quarterbacks in this league. So that's a preview of the first round. Uh, we'll get, again, as the, as the draft gets closer, we'll start thinking of other guys in the later rounds, other positions, guys what we think they may be targeting. We'll certainly give you some names and things and ideas because I think it's the usual suspects right now in the first round. But if you could take anything away from this pod, I think, Clay, you know, while you and I may not agree necessarily on the player, I think given what's happened this offseason with the commitment to Tua, Chris Greer coming out, Brian Flores coming out saying it, Tua himself posting about how hard he's working and how dedicated he is his first off season as a professional player where he didn't have to be coming off surgery and dealing with an injury and really concentrate. Obviously the COVID situation that was last year, there was a lot against Tua last year as a rookie that he had to deal with that others just didn't have to deal with. But given what has been kind of laid out this off season, this draft has to be about making Tua Tungabaloa better. 
And if that's yep. the case, then I wouldn't be surprised if the first two picks of the Dolphins were offensive players. I think you and I yep. agree in that sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's what's yep. right now. Again, two, uh, two and a half weeks to go till the draft. We'll talk more next week. We'll obviously touch on other things as the heat of crunch time. Marlins and Panthers well into their seasons now. Marlins underway. Panthers in that playoff push as well. But the draft is really what's going to get our attention over the next couple of weeks. This is a very important time for the Miami Dolphins franchise with those two big picks in that first round coming up later this month. That's your Miami Sports Pod. We always appreciate you listening and subscribing.